Every entrepreneur is a unique story, but we share some common ground. Piconope offers a fresh perspective on your entrepreneurial challenges, because someone has certainly been through them before. Even if you do not have any business problems, no worries, listening is anonymous. Welcome to The Seed Podcast with Uros Cimjar. Hi, I've been an entrepreneur since my days at university, and I have always loved learning from the more experienced. Even today, I look at every conversation as an opportunity to learn. Daniel Mori is the Chief Growth Officer at Iris, a company solving online dating with artificial intelligence. Before, he was VP of Marketing for two San Francisco-based companies, Zeusk and Ethos, and an interim head of growth at Coffee Meets Bagel. Daniel is a strategic marketing leader with 15 years of experience driving customer growth and revenue, primarily for subscription and recurring revenue businesses. He has worked in companies from early-stage startups to late-stage and publicly traded ones, and especially in the areas of marketing marketing technology, analytics, and creative strategy. In this episode, Daniel shares his experiences in reorganization and why shrinking an organization can be an opportunity to grow your business if done right. What is the most important lesson learned from shrinking organization on the management side? How to do it and where to start? What are the three key things management must do when reorganizing? And when is the right time to start discussing reorganization? All this and more in today's episode of Pick on a Pet Podcast. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Urosh. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy that we have this conversation uh, because it's the one that usually people avoid, let's say. So you have experience, let's say, of couple of downsizing or how should we say it, let's say, of organizations. Reorganizations. Reorganizations. You can try to find some other management speak, let's say, but uh, you are on the both sides. Of the table, let's say. So you were going through this as an, an employee and also as part of a management. Yes. So my first question, let's say, because uh, I'm in this unfortunate situation that I was always a part of the management, let's say. I, I never was an employee. Uh, so I'm really interested, let's say, what did you learn when you were going through this as an employee? I've learned a lot of things. So I have survived as an employee for different downsizings or layoffs uh some so survive survive means that you you're not fired yes that i was not one of the people who was let go um some of some of these layoffs affected other parts of the company some of them affected uh one of them affected my team as well um but i was never impacted directly i think the most important thing i've learned is that you cannot downsize without truly refocusing uh, the strategy and the uh, direction of the company. I've noticed sometimes companies have a tendency to let people go simply because they want to cut costs. That almost never works. Uh, what usually works is a refocusing of, of the company's strategy and the understanding of what kind of organization can support the new strategy. Okay, but this sounds to me like Daniel, the manager, speaking, let's say. But what, what were the symptoms, let's say, uh, that you noticed, okay, this, this downsizing didn't actually achieve anything, let's say? Well, My job did not become easier. Uh, so this was actually a very important epiphany for me. Um, in most of the downsizings that I experienced, my life did not meaningfully change. Uh, my professional life, of course. Yeah. Um, the processes in the company did not change. 
simple tasks that maybe took a week to complete still took a week to complete. So we did not eliminate processes. We did not update technology. We just removed people and asked a smaller number of people to do more. So this is like a spreadsheet thing. Let's say we have 10% too much cost on the payroll. Let's just reduce the 10% and everything will be the same. Exactly. Exactly. It was a very simplistic approach to changing the organization's workforce. Okay. And uh, let's say, when was the first time that you were on the other side? Let's say that you were the one. When was the first time that you were put into position that you have to inform somebody that he's being let go? The first time was uh, nine years ago, eight or nine years ago. Uh, it's actually a somewhat funny story and very sad at the same time. Uh, I got married on a Saturday and the next day um, I was not at the time an executive, but I was middle management. And the day after getting married, I flew to California. Uh, the company that I had been working for had been acquired and had decided to eliminate an entire office uh, that they had previously been operating. And I was sent to California from New York uh, to inform some folks and to save some documentation. A lot of my, of my role there was to make sure that I could collect as much data and information as possible and sort of secure continuity of the business. And so... So just that I say that if I understand this correctly, the company you were working for was acquired and you were not the one let go, but... Uh, correct. Yes, the acquiring company noticed that there were these two offices in North America. Uh, this was a European company that acquired another European company. I worked for the North American office of the acquired. Yeah. Um, but the... The buying company, they realized that um, the, uh, the, the North American office that I had been working for was much more efficient than the one that they had been operating. So they decided to shut down their office instead of ours. So you were in a situation where you have to inform of people you just met yes. that they are being let go and they probably expected the other way around. Yes. Okay. How did you approach it? And this was the day after I got married. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I did not have to have many of these conversations. Uh, I was—I only had to have four or five. There was there was a particular person who had to do about fifty, and um, I had at that point some experience already uh, terminating people. Uh, I had never had ex any experience executing on a layoff in which the employees involved had absolutely no responsibility. They were, it was just sort of an organizational decision. And so in your mind, it's different if the, let's say, employee doesn't know how to perform or if it's just yes. organizational decision. Yes, I think it's a big difference. Uh, there is nothing wrong, I think, with being fired for performance. There is nothing wrong. Sometimes it's just, it, it is not, Necessary. It doesn't necessarily mean that the employee is a bad person or even a bad profession. It is just a bad match. In those cases, the decision is usually a very personal decision with an employee in mind. I think it's a lot different when a, a company just makes a strategic decision and decides to eliminate an entire office. 
in that case, the people are completely, maybe the right word is innocent. Maybe the right word is they have absolutely no ability. Oblivious. Yeah. They have no ability to influence that decision. They are just, they could be the, the highest performing individual in the organization and still end up losing their job. So it's really different. Now, there is one thing that I learned from that experience. And I think that employees who are being laid off understand that there is nothing they can do. And they want to leave the room as quickly as possible. Uh, they don't like the news, of course. They don't like receiving it. But they also, and they just want to leave. And I think as the person who delivers the news, you can take advantage of this situation. So while being, of course, very kind and trying to speak in a very uh, calm voice and try to listen and trying to be as understanding as possible, I think you can take advantage of the fact that the person on the other side, once they hear the news, after a few seconds, they realize there is nothing they can do to change the situation. And 90% of them just want to leave as soon as possible. They want to collect the information they are entitled to and that they need, and they want to leave. And you said you, you can use this in your advantage, how? Yes, because it makes the conversation easier. If you know this, if you know it, it easier for you, if you know that this conversation is probably going to take no more than five to 10 minutes, it's a lot easier to gain the courage and the strength to sit down in front of someone, especially when you have never met them before and tell them that within a month or three months or even the same day, they will lose their job. So you focus on the script, you write a script for yourself, you know what the things are that you, that you must communicate yeah. and you try to go through it with grace, but also in your mind, you know that it's about to end. It's very quick. And so you can use that to focus. Yeah, I just remember, let's say I have like two memorable experiences. Each and every one I remember, but let's say two, let's say that changed my approach to things. Let's say first one was when I let go people who are not a fit in the company and I always felt uncomfortable until the first time I saw then somebody who was really flourishing at the other company where he was the right, correct fit. And then I understood it's not just, uh, let's say, something that I say to myself to feel better. We are not a fit. Uh, you should move on, find some other opportunity. But it's something that I can really believe in because I saw that happen. So this was this really helped me, let's say, in the later when I was in similar situation. Yeah, that happened to me too a few times. Uh, I think I would argue that most of the time that someone that I or someone else in a company that I worked with terminated an employee for performance, uh, most of the times those employees went go on to have a very successful career. Um, obviously, I look at the U.S. market where there is no lack of job opportunities, so maybe it's easier to believe in that story. But most of the time, employees grow much faster because they leave the company. And so after the initial impact, they actually uh, flourish, as you said. Yeah. So the, the other one was, let's say, when we acquired the company. And uh, let's say I let go a person who was my contact in during due diligence. Uh, yeah, this was a shock to this person. And it was the same thing as you said. Let's say uh, they just wanted to leave as soon as possible. 
and uh, I for some time was not seeing that and I, I wanted to explain myself uh, that I really respect them but their work is just not needed anymore because let's say it took me like 10 minutes longer than it should uh, and yeah so I also have the same experience that sometimes it's basically like uh, let's say do it as fast as possible because nobody hears you at the time because it's an emotional yeah. time and so on and maybe you have opportunity to explain later but it's the decision that was taken and it's something that has to be executed let's say yeah yeah but was this uh, let's say this reorganization this probably makes sense because it was not like uh, they didn't cut 10% but they just closed one office was this a good let's say situation yes i think this was a good decision um i think it was a good decision it was an operational decision it was not a cost cutting decision there were two offices with a total of 200 employees between the two of them and they had the same exact responsibilities and you only need one and so i think it was a very intelligent decision and it was executed fairly well yeah okay so this are now your uh, experiences up to susk if i remember yes. correctly let's say yes uh, so here was also the first time where you were involved as part of an executive team yes. or could you explain a little bit uh, let's see what happened at Zusk? uh so yeah the company was a fairly well-known startup in the silicon valley one of the first uh online dating company to have mobile apps as a matter of fact i think they had the first iphone dating app Uh, it was a successful company that was growing rapidly and that planned to go public with an IPO. Unfortunately, the growth of the company stalled about a year before they intended to go public. And that resulted in the company growing its organization too much. Uh, the company hired with the expectation that it could continue to grow the business, but the business did not grow. and the IPO by the way completely failed they were never able to actually float the company and the stock exchange a first round of layoffs was executed uh when it became evident that um that the IPO could not happen uh but it was very much one of those cost reduction layoffs the company for the most part uh laid off people at the bottom of the hierarchy uh, some of the more junior resources they did not refocus the strategy of the company in any way there was no reaction to the fact that a very fast growing company had suddenly plateaued yeah uh the strategy never changed the only thing that changed was the number of employees and that's why that first round of layoffs was completely ineffective Uh, and it did not be probably bought company some time or not um yes i think it bought the company a little bit of extra time but not much not much um in particular because in that company the biggest cost was not uh employees the biggest cost was marketing and uh, so the cash burn of the company did slow down did slow down but not the but not in a meaningful way and the, the business shrunk and when the business is shrinking 
the next thing you do is you lay more people off. But you were already part of an executive team? Not, not when the first round happened. Huh. Uh, I was promoted one month before the company had to execute a second round of layoffs. A little better than uh, a day after your wedding, but uh, not so much. <laughs> exactly. Still a very difficult thing. That led, me, that led to the beginning of the most difficult three months of my life, by far. So you were promoted and you just, uh, let's say, get the news that, okay, there will be a yeah. downsizing or reorganization. Correct. Okay. Uh, the thing I was, I was lucky though, because I knew the company very well. I knew the team, the department that I would manage. I was put in charge of marketing at the company and they knew exactly what needed to happen to May, let the company grow again, to make the business grow. And so I didn't need to execute a layoff based on a random choice of employees to let go. I didn't have to choose based on seniority. I knew the kind of team that I needed. And so I simply eliminated a lot of redundant functions, uh, changed the way we allocated budgets, And after doing that, that exposed what people were necessary and what people were no longer necessary for the team. But this, this is just in your team or uh, it was the same approach to the whole organization? The whole organization uh, was restructured. Um, the three most important teams, including marketing, used this approach. The only team that did not Uh, did not need to. Uh, it was the customer service operation where we simply outsourced uh, all of the work from California overseas. And so uh, that was a different strategy. Uh, that was a cost minimization strategy. But the core parts of the company, those that built the product and that marketed the product, shifted strategy and executed a reorganization. Okay, but here you said It was the hardest three months. So why does it, did it took three months, let's say? Well, it took one month to plan the layoffs. I did not sleep much knowing that I would have to let about 10 people out of 25 go. Uh, and I would have to do it personally. And I knew them well. So first there was a human aspect to it that was problematic. And then I was very anxious to see the results of this because there were so many actions that also needed to happen on the business side. We were cutting people, but that was only part of a bigger strategy that needed to actually be executed. And so I, executing that strategy of changing a lot of the vendors that we worked with, reallocating our budgets, changing our entire marketing strategy would take about two months. And then we would have to see the results. Yeah, and but uh, did, uh, was in this process, let's say, in this time, did the, the executive team, let's discuss the strategies change together? Or were you left on your own? Uh, the marketing strategy was mostly my own responsibility. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, it was mostly my responsibility. Every team had so much to do that every executive pretty much had to figure out their problems and make it work. So how did you approach it? Let's say, so you knew that you would like to restart the growth, 
but uh, at the same time with less resources. So wh what was what was like uh, the thought process in your head, let's say? How did you approach this? It was very simple, and I'm going to tell you a story to explain it in a second, but really it was all about allocating marketing dollars to the markets and the marketing channels that were actually performing best. And I will explain this. So a lot of companies... I'll explain what happened at Zusk and what had been wrong with the previous layoff. Um, a lot of companies, as they grow, they expand into new markets. Uh, they expand into new customer segments, sometimes different audiences. Uh, but what happens if that growth does not work? That was the case of Zusk. Zusk had expanded very effectively in the U.S. market. But when it started to grow internationally, that growth was not nearly as economically uh, fruitful. When they executed the first round of layoffs, they did not refocus on the U.S. market. They did not refocus on the markets that were actually working. They simply cut resources evenly across all markets and all marketing channels. And that didn't work because they didn't choose the best markets, the ones that were proven to be most lucrative. They were democratic about a cookie, about the layoff that was just a spreadsheet cost-cutting measure. Yeah, so we do all the same things, but with less resources. Correct. When I, when I took charge, what I did was shut down several markets that had never truly been profitable for the company and refocused all the resources that we still had on the markets that were actually doing well. Uh, it was a huge decision because the company had promised a lot of international growth to its investors, but that international growth was not coming and it was costing the money a lot of money. Sorry, it was costing the company a lot of money. And so uh, I just changed that strategy. And there were other elements. There were some technological changes that we made um, that were also necessary. Uh, we, create, we introduced a lot more automation in our processes, and that also helped us improve productivity and use less resources. But really, it was the core strategy that was what worked. The, the you know, shrinking organization, letting people go was just part of a bigger strategy. It was not the goal. Okay, this brings me actually to my next question, let's say. A lot of times, especially people who are, let's say, faced with this situation for the first time, uh, they focus a lot on how they really let the people go, how the whole process, and sometimes forget about the people staying, let's say, people, people remaining. I said, so you are now here in charge of the team who went in a probably a few months through two rounds of layoffs. Uh, and you, how did you, what activities did you took, let's say that uh, you actually keep, the, that, that you refocus them and that they believed you in reality, let's say because? Um, I think there were three things I did. The first and most important one was also incredibly time consuming, but it was basically a political operation. Uh, with both people on my team and on other in other departments as well, I was really, really, really granular about explaining this strategy and showing numbers. 
And I did not just do it in a company presentation where everybody was there. I did it having lunch with a couple of colleagues. I did it having drinks with a couple of colleagues. I did it over coffee. I did it in one-on-one -on -one meetings. Everything became about explaining what the strategy was. Uh, the employees had survived that first round of layoffs and they never really heard much about the strategy. They heard, we need to cut costs. They didn't hear, we're going, you know, they didn't hear why the company would be doing better. So that was the first element. The second element is when you change strategy, when you refocus a company, the job of people changes. And change can be scary, but it can also be felt. And if you feel that your job is easier, if you feel that you're uh, suddenly beginning to hit your goals after you have been missing on the goals for a year, you start to believe in that change. And that was a big part, changing. So you set up some quick wins in the process, let's say, or... Or it just happened, let's say, you were lucky? Um, it was mostly intentional. For the most part, we set it up. And when things start doing well, because a strategy works, sometimes you, people start perceiving early changes very quickly. Yeah. Uh, it might take a matter of a few weeks. And it's particu in particular with some, if you can take, part of what we did a lot of was automate things, automate repetitive tasks. Whenever there is something that you can let a computer do instead of forcing a human to do it, um, that changes things. And in, the in our case, there were several people who suddenly had a more interesting job because we had taken boring things away from them and assigned them to a computer and they were able to focus on challenges. And so some people were really excited about that. So you said three things. The well, first one was the political discussion. The second was automation. What about the third? The third was a promise. Um, a promise that came in two, se in two, in two separate uh, phases. Um, the company had a history once every, uh, once every month of doing a raffle. It was just something you do in the Silicon Valley all the time. Once a month, you do an all-hands you talk about how the business is going, and then you do a little lottery and you give away maybe tickets to a show or something like that to people. If people are afraid that the company is doing bad, they will not believe you when you say the company is doing well. But they might believe on action. So in the first all hands and lottery after that event instead of two tickets for a movie you know something that had a total value of maybe fifty dollars we sent an employee to las vegas for a weekend with uh turns out with her husband and companies that are in bad shape don't do that Actions speak louder than words. So if you can show someone that you're not just trying to cut costs, you are trying to change how a company's business operates and you are willing and happy to invest in employees, people start believing it. And those small actions work. 
And three months later, since the company had started to do much, much better, we actually then decided to change the goals that we had internally. We had told everybody that we were looking to make a certain amount of dollars in revenue. We said, okay, we're going to create a new goal. It's a stretch. But if we hit this goal of revenue and profit, the whole company is going to be taken for a long weekend to Las Vegas with a plus one, a spouse or a friend. And so we set that goal. And initially, people did not believe that we could get to that point. So initially, uh, you know, the, re the response was a mix of excitement and thinking that we were lying. But then... I created a dashboard for everybody to track exactly how we were doing at the end of every week. And we hit the goal one week, we hit it another week, week after week, we keep, we started tra tracking well versus this goal. And so people started to believe. And within six months of executing that layoff, the company was doing very well. And there were no people who were complaining. There were no, uh, everybody was very motivated. So uh, how did that end, end it, let's say, for Zosk? Well, first we went to Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next year we all went to Hawaii. And okay. the next year the company got sold um, for a very good amount of money to a competitor, which is what the, uh, what the goal had been all along. Oh, nice. So let's say with this learning experience behind you, I can see why you think, let's say, that, uh, let's say uh, you can shrink the organization and then grow. Uh, but uh, when does it make sense to start discussing this? Let's say when in your mind is the right time to start discussing the reorganization? Yesterday. Because usually people... <laughs> you know, we obviously have this provocative title to this uh, podcast episode and It's yeah. a provocative title that was for my presentation at, at Seed. But the issue is, it's not really about shrinking the organization. It's about constantly refocusing it. It's about eliminating old technologies that need to be updated and replaced with the new. Um, and that should happen all the time. It's about automating everything that can be automated so that you don't have employees who are doing something boring and repetitive. They are instead doing something that is impactful for the business. Okay, I agree with you. Let's say the concept sounds great, but how to actually implement it? Let's say who should think about it? Uh, because usually when the companies grow, let's say some processes get codified and then people just do it because it was always done this way, let's say. So, and yeah. this is like... This is really painful when you come in, yes. when you acquire a company and you ask somebody, no, we just do it this way. And why? Nobody knows. We just do it this way is the first sign that you should change it um, or that you should at least understand it. Fire the people. No, <laughs> but uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I recently had a consulting client about a year ago or something like that. Um, and this is the CEO of a company that is a very old business in the insurance space. And they have a lot of, 
think of it as an old organization. They don't understand technology very well. They're bloated and they have a million processes that nobody understands. And he asked me how to execute digital transformation. I honestly did not know. <laughs> I have never, I had never before been involved in trying to transform a very old, not tech organization into being a modern organization. I had never done it. But I had an idea. I asked him how many reports he receives every week. And he said that there's all these emails full of reports that are being circulated every week, every month, every quarter. And I said, okay, let's track how many people open those emails and how many people view those reports and how long they spend viewing those reports. And he said, can we do that? I'm like, sure, you know, let's talk to an IT person and we'll get this done. And we set this up in one week. And what we discovered is that the vast majority of reports that were circulating were never being opened and were never being read. They were just, you know, some time in the history of the company, somebody said we should do this report. And there was a person who was responsible for manually building that report every week or every month and sending it to 100 people. And most of those people weren't reading it. Almost nobody was consuming it. Of all the reports in the business, there, were, there was basically only one that was critical and maybe a handful that were somewhat useful for some people. And that simply led to the realization, okay, we have about, I can't remember if it was five or seven people who are not doing anything that the company needs. And then the conversation they had was about how to find something more interesting and more impactful for those people to do. Yeah. My approach is usually, let's say, uh, show me all the scratches that you got. Yeah. Because it's also uh, probably some stuff that could be automated that some, uh, let's say, some structure doesn't work or people don't know how to use it and something like that. And when you go through these spreadsheets, then you actually learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, why, and sometimes it's why are you compiling the data in these spreadsheets? Because we always did it so. Yeah. The other I completely sentence, agree. The other sentence that's really hard to hear is, let's say, uh, hmm. the first one is this, the, we always did it this way. And the other one is uh, that uh, I don't want to tell you how this is done. Let's say it's my job to do it or something like that. Let's say. So somebody who's like trying to be more important in the organization by hoarding the information. Let's say this is the people. Yes. Yes, those, those, uh, those individuals are usually very toxic because not only are they trying to hide things from you as an executive, but they are probably making the life of other colleagues much harder. There's, a, there's an old saying, um, something I learned a long time ago that I really believe um, there are two types of employee in a company. And it has nothing to do with intelligence and competence. There are employees who create problems and there are employees who solve problems. Now, of course, we all create some problems and we all solve some problems. So the, what matters is what's the balance of what we do. And sometimes in an organization, there's a small percentage of people who basically only create problems. And if you can eliminate those, the business just starts doing better 
without anything else, just because those people are doing what you just described a minute ago. Yeah. This is actually the experience after one of the acquisitions. Let's say I try, I actually tr try to know what the person does. Let's say so I sat down, we discussed, and after an hour and a half, I knew nothing, nothing more about her, uh, her work, let's say. And then, okay, I said, maybe so I was, well, let's say, uh, being... Uh, not patient, but let's say I didn't want to, really to break something in the organization. I'll just wait. And I knew that, uh, let's say, uh, we will actually merge organizations and uh, our approach was always, let's say, automate stuff. And then the person in charge of our IT system, it's about this internal system, came there and I actually sat for a day and then came to me. I still don't know what she does, but if she does what she says, this can be automated uh, in 15 minutes and we are done. <laughs> Yeah. So at the end, it was 50 minutes of automation. Yeah. So it's, it's it, it was really the most, let's say, borderline case of such such thing that I saw. But maybe to finish on more positive note, let's say, uh, with all this experience, and then you said, okay, we should constantly look how to change the organization and so on. What would be your advice be to someone who is now, let's say, for the first time, face it, let's say that the revenues are flat or something like that, that they start, they have to become cost conscious and they have to change something in the organization and reorganization is on the table. How to approach it? What would, what would be your learning? Where to start? What's the best way? Well, one thing is probably what we were saying before about refocusing the strategy rather than just thinking about uh, eliminating some cost. Uh, there are some mistakes that I usually see. Uh, one is just trying to cut cost and asking people to do more. I think the other thing that's very important is many, many layoffs begin at the top, at the bottom. People let go of the more junior resources, the right layoffs usually start either at the top or in the middle. Uh, they're about eliminating bloatware. They are about eliminating uh, unnecessary process and about trying to simplify things for people. And so I would think about not so much what people you want to let go, but rather what processes you want to change. And so... Uh, when a when when revenue flatlines, when the company reaches this plateau and it seems like growth is not possible, the first question I think is, what can I eliminate that is going to make somebody's life immediately better at this company? And it might not be a person. It could be a technology. It could be a process. It could be a team. It could be a lot of things. Um, because sometimes it's the, the devil is in the detail. Even a good strategy sometimes doesn't work because the execution is flawed and bloatware is, is often to blame. Okay. I would like to thank everybody who listened to our conversation till the end. But I would especially like to thank you, Daniel, because uh, you talk about, let's say, a difficult topic in really clear terms. And what I also say in a positive light, let's say, because in the end, it's all about making the organization better, more functional. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to all the listeners. Are you an entrepreneur? You want to grow faster, but don't know how? 
join the conversation at SIT Slovenia, where like-minded entrepreneurs and founders share experiences and know-how. More on www.ceed.si. Pick on up a podcast where sharing experiences supports your business growth.